Amen. Uh, we go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Numbers 22, uh, verse 7. But before we get started in that, I want to thank uh, the guys that, that filled in and, and took uh, uh, Wednesday night uh, and, and, and the Sundays also. But uh, for those that filled in on Wednesday night, I got to see all of them. You did all did a great job. I appreciate it, and uh, I noticed that there were some questions concerning the the nations or the cities or the tribes that that they were attacking. And and so before we get started studying this study tonight, I'm gonna give you kind of a history lesson. And uh, we're getting the way back machine, and it goes way back. This and this part of the world that still exists today with Israel. Uh, right there, and all those people boys around them like vultures waiting for the opportunity to seize that land. Uh, it was, uh, this is the beginning of it. This is uh, where it all started and stemmed from. A lot of these ancient peoples, although they're not identified by the names that they are in the Old Testament, are still in existence today. To give you an example, a man named Ben-Ami uh, was uh, one of Lot's uh, children by one of his daughters, uh, and uh, the, the, if you ever heard of Amon Jordan, uh, his name was also Ammon, and Amon Jordan today is named after him. So just to give you an update on, on these people and who they are and where they came from, does anybody know about Canaan? Why the Lord made the promised land, the land that belonged to Canaan? Does anybody have any idea where that came from? It goes all the way back to Noah. Ham, remember Ham when he saw his daddy drunk and naked? And when he found out what had happened, Noah put a curse, not on Ham, on Canaan, Ham's son. The curse was that he would become a servant to the other two boys, which was... Uh, Sham and Jacob. And if you do research on this, and, and I, I didn't do much research, but I got my Bible encyclopedia down, and uh, these uh, these boys of, of Noah, which was uh, Sham and Japheth, uh, all have this history, and every one of them went out and repopulated the earth in certain areas when they left Noah. And uh, <coughs> when you look at these, uh, these men, uh, Shem is the oldest son of Noah, and he is the one that the uh, the birth, the promise of the of the uh, birthright went through. Uh, his sons were Elam, Asher, uh, Ar Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram, 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 A R A M. And when you uh, the the nations that stem from him was Persia, Assyria, Chaldea, Lydia, and Assyria, and specifically the Hebrew nation. Yes. Japheth is the oldest one. Well, Sham is the one the birthright went through. Well, the, yeah. Which one's the oldest? There's a lot yeah. of question on who's the oldest because of the way the, it's it's worded. It really doesn't matter. But what does matter is Sham is the one that the promise came through. And so that that's what we'll uh, look be looking at right now. Uh, our facts add if, uh, is, a, is a name that's associated with the Hebrew people, and he's found in the genealogy of Christ in Luke in the book of Luke. And uh, so uh, when, you, when you look at these names, they're, they're ancient names, yet they're names that we are, and nations that we are aware of that still are in existence today that may not be called by the same name. 
And so uh, the, uh, this uh, uh, Japheth is the other son who, uh, who the promise did not go through, but he's the son that also did not get cursed. Now, the curse of Canaan was that he's to serve uh, Shem and he's to serve Japheth. And what you've got to understand about this curse, it didn't happen immediately. It's happening way on down the road as the population increases. And you see, and I'm going to show it to you here in just a minute. Uh, but Japheth is, uh, uh, had sons named Gomer, Magog, uh, Madai, Javan, Tubal, uh, Meshach, and uh, Tyrus. Uh, the nations that came from him are the Medians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Russians, and the Gauls. The Philistines also were descendants of Japheth. So when you look at these groups and you see uh, from Japheth, you see nations who at one time or another rule the world, okay? Especially the Romans. That's where they came from. And uh, and then, the, of course, you find uh, Canaan, who was cursed to serve all of these. Uh, they uh, Ham's descendants uh, were Egypt, Cush, Put. Put is a P-U-T, is also Africa. Uh, and the tribes of Canaan, Phoenicia, and Palestine. These are people who came from Ham. And so when you, you look at these, these nations and you see the history that comes with these nations, the nations that belonged to Canaan had been historically uh, uh, servants or slaves. That's where, where those, most of that, that came from. And so uh, you can really get into a lot of discussion here and you get into a lot of trouble talking about these things. But all of these are ancient regions of the world that, that came into existence through Noah's sons and it, and it depended on their geographical location and where they went is the reason we know what nations stem from them. And so when it goes a little further. So Canaan then became this land, the land of Canaan is, is what we're talking about that the Lord gave to them for Israel to occupy later on which is called the promised land, the land of Canaan. So that's what they're after right now. And so uh, the, uh, you've heard the, the nations called the Amorites. They are also descendants, the people who live in this area, because I heard some questions uh, last week about well, how long have these people been here and, and who are they and where did they come from? Well, the Amorites are descendants of Canaan uh, that, uh, that were the uh, largest group of people that lived in this area. And uh, they, uh, that's, you can find these, this scripture here in Genesis chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. Uh, Moab is a son of Lot by his oldest daughter. That, that, is, uh, that is who Moab is. We're going to be talking about Moab tonight because Balak, Balak uh, who hires Balaam, or tries to hire Balaam, is from, he is a, Moab, a Moabite man. If you want to know any more future about the Moabites, then you have to look no further than the book of Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite woman. And she's also in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. So the Lord shows us these things and shows the curses and he shows the fulfillment of all these things that were spoken. And he shows how he led Israel to these people. And these people are all interrelated. And, and, and it, gets, uh, it gets really... Uh, confusing because some of them were even uh, sons of Abraham that he had by a wife named Keturah that he had after uh, Sarah died. You remember how old Abraham was when Sarah died? 
he was very, very old. Well, he married and had seven more sons after that. And so uh, uh, these these people all come into existence, and this Ben Ami, which is uh, Ben Ami, which is the, the the father of Ammon or the Ammonites that we're going to talk about one of these days. Uh, he is also uh, came from uh, Lot's uh, daughter. And so this is this is the people that uh, that we're dealing with. This Midian, uh, the Midianites, is a son of Abraham by by Keturah uh, after Sarah. That's where I was going with that. So you're going to see all of these nations and all these names start showing up as Israel conquers these people, which actually don't come into uh, happen until David is king before all this stuff is actually satisfied. And so, but this is the beginning of it. And so when you see, uh, like y'all studied where they attacked uh, uh, Canaan and, and, and conquered Canaan, it, it, was a, it was a tribe or a nation that was part of this larger area that these other people lived. And so when the Midianites uh, saw uh, what, was, what was going on, uh, uh, the Moabites, not the Midianites, when the Moabites saw what was going on, this uh, Balak, or Balak, however you want to pronounce his name, uh, this place is beside Jericho, by the way, uh, beside the Jordan River at Jericho. And uh, he, he is, uh, this Balak is a son to the king of Moab, and he, he wants to put a stop to this invading army that, that he sees, and he realizes that they don't have the manpower to do it because of the sheer mass and size of this army that's coming to them, and the, the number of people, even though it's got a lot of women and children, we know for a fact that there's over 600,000 soldiers in this in this uh, this uh, in Israel at this time, and this that's probably a, a small figure because we we studied it uh, in weeks past. So there's probably even more than that now. And they've also got a few skirmishes over their belts now, so they've been introduced to fight, conflict, and war, so they've already become a little bit hardened toward that. And Black recognizes that, hey, we're in a heap of trouble. We need some help. And so he turns to the dark side. He turns to a soothsayer. He turns to a man that uh, the, the best description I can give to you is a, is a, uh, a magician or a soothsayer. I don't call him a magician. I call him a soothsayer because, and, and he is one of probably the most unusual character that you're gonna see in the Bible anywhere. There's not another one like Balaam. That's who, that's who uh, uh, Balak uh, went to, uh, to, get, uh, to get Balaam. So you're kind of caught up on your history lesson, and you know who some of these people are, and you know that uh, that Moab is the one that is is uh, is wanting to uh, put a stop to the invading army, and it's the one who has hired Balaam. Now, now listen, Balaam lived in uh, uh, what's the name of that place? Aram, A R A M. Now I want you to notice when I gave you the uh, the descendants of of Shem, of Shem, the godly bloodline. Aram is one of his sons. And this is where Balaam is coming from. So he's associated with these group of people that came from the godly bloodline. Does that help answer your questions, any of your questions about how Balaam could make and actually talk to God like he did and hear from God like he did? 
Anyway, we'll get into this here in just a little bit further, a little bit, a, a little bit deeper. Somebody would read for me verses 7 and chapter 22 of Numbers through 12, please. The elders of Moab and Midian departed with fees for divination in hand. They came to Balaam and reported to Balak's words to him. He said to them, Spend the night here, and I will give you the answer the Lord tells me. So the officials of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? Balaam replied to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent these messages to me. Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover their surface of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. I may be able to fight against them and drive them away. One more. Twelve. Then God said to Balaam, You are not to go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they are blessed. Well, they go to this man who we assume is, uh, since he's not a part of the movement of the Israelites, because of the bloodline did not go through Aram, it went through another one of the, the sons of Arphaxad that we talked about. And so you already saw where they encountered Edom already. And Edom, remember who Edom is? Does anybody remember who Edom is? They are descendants of Esau. Esau, Edom means red, and, and that's what they named the city, the first city Esau built. And so this is this is uh, what they're facing. And what did Moses, when he sent a message to the Edomites requesting permission to go across his land, what did he call brothers? He called them brother because they were representing Jacob and his brother was Esau. And so these people are intertwined and intermixed and, and know each other. And, and whether Balaam knew how closely he was associated through Shem, with, uh, with our facts at and uh, how far he could go back, we don't know that. But we do know that this is where he came from. And so since the blood, uh, the godly bloodline went through Shem, uh, we, we, we can understand that this, this, these people probably were very aware of Yahweh, of Jehovah God, that Noah, their grandfather, or their, great, their ancestor, all of, to all of them, had encountered and knew and, and obeyed. And so this is how, how you can, but you can see these other people that came through Lot that were born by incest and all this stuff, they had gotten into idolatry. And so idolatry was the curse that hung over the land of Canaan right now. Not only the curse of idolatry, but the curse that had not been fulfilled yet according to what Noah had said to him. So this goes way, way back. This is something God don't work in our time frame. Okay, y'all might as well get that down. That's why when you study the Bible, you have to study it this way and understand where God's coming from. Because you look at this and it just gets all mixed up and you think, well, why? Why was this one? Why that one? These people have a historical connection. Okay? And it was, it was not always a good connection. And so the Lord, the Lord had already dealt a lot with these people, and so we find then that uh, that uh, the elders that uh, that uh, of Moab that uh, that uh, Balak had uh, asked to go went, and they did find Balaam, and they lodged with him uh, the, uh, overnight. And he told them when they got there, and they told them what they wanted. He said, "Y'all stay here tonight, and I will go speak." Uh, to the Lord, and I will let you know what what to say. Now I want you to notice this in verse nine. God came 
to Balaam. Y'all see that? Now I want you to know something. We say, well, how in the world does a soothsayer have this contact with God? Is that a question y'all want to know? Well, I want to know that question. Well, when you look in, and this is not something unprecedented in the, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Do you remember the book of Job? When Job uh, was, went through what he went through, if you'll remember, it starts off in, in the book of Job talking about that there was a day when the sons of men came before God. You remember that statement? And guess who was with them? Satan was with them. And God spoke to him and Satan spoke to God. Now we have trouble comprehending and understanding these things, but God can speak to who he wants to and let who he wants to stand before him if it, if it does his purpose and his plan and it, and it fulfills those things, and this is how he allows these things to happen. So the plan was for God to make an example out of Balaam and out of Moab, and also there was a temptation that's fixing to come up of the children of Israel, and, the, and the Satan is allowed to do these things to the children of Israel just like he was allowed to do those things to Job. You understand that? Okay, so th this is how God operates. God does not tempt any man, but he allows us to be tempted. He allows us to be tested. Every one of us sitting here tonight have been tested today. Tempted today. The Bible tells us God don't tempt any man, but somebody does. Amen? And so it's a dark, evil voice. And this is, this is where Balaam is. He's kind of dangling. He... When I looked at him today and studied about him today, he is a mixture. He's a mixture of Satan and he's a mixture of Judas Iscariot. Amen? He, 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 he can communicate with God like Judas did, but he had set him out in a heartbeat just like Judas did. Think about that. It's almost a picture of Judas Iscariot in the Old Testament, this man is, and his association with God. So God came to him, and look at what God said. Now, do you don't think God already knew who these men were? Yeah. What makes God do us that way? Just to think about it. And he asked Balaam, who are these men? <laughs> like he didn't know already. And he wants Balaam to tell him. That's just like when he already knows our sin, Ron. He knows it, but he still wants us to tell him. Amen? He wants us to tell him. That's his way. It's not mine. It's his. I'd rather him just say, okay, I saw you do that. Go on about your business. But no, that ain't the way he works. It's a text. He wants us to fess up. He wants us to fess up. He wants us to tell him the truth. And the bad part about it, when he lied to him, he knows it. So why do we try to do that? Well, Balaam didn't lie to him, and Balaam uh, told him who these people were, uh, what they came for, and he said, behold, he said, there is a people. Now, Balaam really don't know who the Israelite people are. He don't understand about Jacob. He don't understand about the promise, because the promise is gone with the people of the godly bloodline. Amen? So those people in the godly bloodline knew of the promise, like, like, uh, like Moses knew the promise of, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, that was the last one the promise was made to. 
and it went through every generation, which was the promised seed that would lead to the birth of Jesus Christ. This is God's plan. You can follow it all the way through Scripture. It's good and evil. Okay? It's a godly bloodline. It's an ungodly bloodline. And it's, and it's all the way through Scripture. And you can see it for yourself. You can follow it. And it's, sometimes it, it kind of gets blurry, but it's still there. And so this is, this is what we have. But Balaam didn't know who these people were. And he said, there's a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse, curse me them, peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. He's telling God this is what they came and asked him to do. Because okay? he don't know who they are. But God does. And look at what God tells him. Look, look at what God tells him. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Uh, and thou shalt not curse the people. Now look at that, what he says. He gives them a reason. What's the reason? They are blessed. Now where does all blessings come from? God. They come from God himself. Balaam even knew that. So he, 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 he hears this from God. And let's see what happens here. Uh, look, somebody read for me verses 13 through 19, please. Actually, go ahead and read verse 21. So Balaam arose in the morning and said to Balak leaders, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. The leaders of Moab arose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak again sent leaders more numerous and more distinguished than the former. They came to Balaam and said to him, Thou says Balak, son of Zophar, let nothing, I beg you, hinder you from coming to me. For I will indeed honor you richly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Please come then, curse this people for me. Balaam replied to the servants of Balak. Though uh, Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot <coughs> do anything, either small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord my God. Now please, uh, you also stay here tonight, and I will find out what else the Lord will speak to me. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them. And only the word which I speak to you shall you do. So Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with his leaders, uh, went with the leaders of Moab. So when, when these men went back to Balak and told him he won't come, how did Balak respond to that? It made him angry, didn't it? And so he wanted to send somebody a little more prestigious. He sent a movie star. Somebody that was real looked up to that Balaam would probably know something about. They were influential people. They were wealthy businessmen or they may have been merchants or traders or whatever they were but he, he they were more influential than just the elders that he sent later uh, the first time and so he sent these influential men and they they came to Zephor and and he, he they they asked him the same question we want you to come they look the sons of Zephor uh want you to come and he wants you to curse these people and he he said, if you will do this, and they said, if you will do this, 
We, he will promote you a very great honor. He will do whatsoever you say. Anything you want if you'll just come uh, and curse these people for me. Now he's not giving up. And, and it reminds you of evil today and Satan. Satan never gives up. Let me listen to me. Till the day we die, we're going to be tested and tempted by Satan and the dark forces and evil. Till the day you die, or the Lord takes you home, that's going to happen. That's going to be a part of your everyday life. Now, how how strong you are, how full of the Spirit you are, and how what kind of relationship you have with the Lord will determine how many times you fail and don't fail. We even saw Moses as, as dominant as a relationship as he had with the Lord God, where God spoke to this man like it, like I'm speaking to you, yet Moses failed and, and failed to temptation, failed to anger. And so we need to understand this is something that's going to be ongoing. And so Balak's not going to let up. Balak's going to try his best to get his way. Why? Because he knows the end of his world is coming. Now, I want you to think about that. You know what? You want to know why this world's starting to act like it is toward us? Because they sense the end's coming for them. And they don't like it. <coughs> Amen? And so, so he has sent these people and they said, whatever you want, whatever you desire, I'm going to give it to you if you will curse these people. Now they're tempting this old fella and he's already heard from God once, but I want you to look at what happens. He said, uh, now therefore I pray you stay right here one, this night. I'm going to go talk to God one more time. Now let me ask you a question. Does he think God's really going to change his mind? He knows it. Well, listen to me. God did change his mind. Hello? He did change his mind. What did he tell him the first time? Do not go with these people. And so this time, though, when he tells them to wait, and he said, I'm going to go talk to the Lord, and I'll come back to you tomorrow and tell you what he says. And look at verse 20. And God came unto Balaam at night. God comes to him again. This is peculiar, isn't it? God comes to him again, and he said, If the men come to call thee, rise up, and look at this, and go with them. Now that part changed, but what didn't change? Do not curse these people. Now that ain't now listen to me. Because that was not going to ever change. Because God had made a promise, he was bound to keep it. He was going to keep it. He had made them a promise they was going to get a land filled with milk and honey. He was in the process of giving it to them. And he told Balaam, you can go. I what do y'all think about that? What do you think the reason is God allowed Balaam to go this time? To deliver a message? I think he wanted Balaam to see this. I think he wanted him to see Israel. He was, after all, he was a descendant of Shem. He wanted him to see this. He told him, you can't curse him. I want you to see this. 
what I think, just my opinion. He wanted him to see why. You think maybe that God thought if he sees this, he's going to understand? Well, maybe God already knew Balaam wasn't ever going to understand this. So let's see what goes on here. This, this see is, how much they were blessed by the size of them. You know, he said, I have blessed them. So when Balaam sees the size, which he does, he don't even like to look at the whole size. He wants to go to the edge and look at a little bit of it at a time. He's seeing what God said when I said I blessed them. Mm-hmm. But that, that multitude. But you know what's interesting? When God said I have blessed them, he didn't tell them. He didn't tell them what the promise was. He didn't tell him how he had blessed them. He just said I blessed them. Listen to me. God don't have to explain nothing to us. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> he, God don't have to explain nothing to us. He don't have to tell us why he does things. That's what he wound up telling Job. Remember what he told Job in the end? He said, uh, I didn't ask you how to create this world. And I'm putting it in my own words, but that's what he told Job. Job felt like he was a righteous man, and he was. God told the devil he was a righteous man. But he wanted Job to know that you ain't all that. I, I didn't ask you how to do this and do that and do this and do that. I didn't ask your opinion on it. He don't ask mine and your opinion on anything either. And so he didn't ask him to tell him how, why he blessed them or what it was that made them be blessed. He just said, they're blessed and don't curse them. He gave a command. Okay. Do you think it could have, you know, I mean, obviously he knew Balaam's heart, you know, but Balaam says, no, I'm not going to do this, but Go ahead and stay here. You know, not sending them away. No, I said I'm not going to do it. Now go away. He invited them to stay mm -hmm. to entertain that thought. And maybe, you know, is that maybe why God changed his mind? Because, I mean, he gets on the donkey and we know what happens next. You know, God's still making this point to him of who I am. Mm -hmm. I want you to know what, would that, could that be tied together with <coughs> God? He knows his heart that it's, it really was set to him. Well, let me tell you this much. God don't like magicians and soothsayers to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Later on, he's going, to tell, he's going to tell the children of Israel when they come into their kingdom and through Saul, kill all these people. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing why. But here's the thing. <laughs> you know, you, and you hate to think that God's doing this and, and it may not have nothing to do with it, but it's almost like he's dangling the carrot in front of Balaam. He told him at first, don't go. Don't curse them. Don't go. Don't curse them. They're blessed. In. He comes back and he comes to him again. This time he said, okay, go with them. Just don't curse them. And it's almost like he made them say, oh, I'm getting somewhere with God now. See, he don't really know God. God, he knows how to communicate with God. He can hear God. That's, this is the frustrating part about this scripture to me. How can this man hear God? The witch of Andor calls Samuel from the grave. That's spooky. Yeah. You think it was actually Samuel? Though. It was Samuel's body. I don't know where it was Samuel in it or not. Talk to him. But it was Samuel's body for sure. And that's spooky to me. And when you look at the book of Jude, the Bible says that they disputed with Satan, Michael did, over the body of Moses. He wanted his body. That's spooky to me. 
Amen. Well, and if he was a soothsayer or a magician, he was was had a spirit on him, an evil spirit on him that would do these things. So that would be how they would know who God was because the spirits know who God was. Because his power came from the darkness of right. the spirituality of the powers of the air that God himself could see and they could see God. And they know who God is and they know what God can do. Yeah. So they would be able to have that conversation, but then his heart is all decked up too. Yeah, he, he, he's full of pride, he's full of arrogance, he's full of ignorance about who God really is when he says he's blessed somebody. But when, when you think about it, Paul would later on in the New Testament tell us our warfare is not against flesh and blood. And he, it's against these very powers that work in Balaam here. If we're not careful, can work inside of us. Mm -hmm. Oh, you listen to me. You know what stops that from happening? The Holy Spirit in us forbids that to happen to us. But somebody that don't have this Holy Spirit, all they got to do is invite that Spirit in, and it comes to them. Mm -hmm. And He'll use them. That's spooky, isn't it? Might explain the reason some people like the way they do too, huh? Yeah. You, you know, we believe demon possession in Jesus' day. Do you believe it today? Yeah. Amen. Woo! You better believe it. All these mangling, murdering people that go around killing people right and left and doing horrible, horrific things all the time, uh, abducting children and doing things of what they do. Yes, sir. They are, these people are possessed by the demonic forces of the power of the darkness. The prince of the area, the prince of darkness is Satan himself. And, and he's still alive and well. I've heard people talking, talking, people possessed by devils. I'm talking about now. And talking to, uh, as a pastor, I listen to me, he said, he said, I know people are demon possessed. He said, because I come into a room with, one, to, with a woman that I was called to my church. Okay, because this girl was acting up having trouble. He said, I come in. He said, as soon as I walked in, he said, I knew this girl. He said, but there was, sound, uh, the person talking out of her was not her. He said, and the first thing he said when I walked in the room, I, we don't want him here. Get him out of here. He said, so I know People are, de you know, can be demon possessed, and that happens today. I know a boy right now that's in a hospital, he's six years old, and he says people tell him not to do anything fun or eat anything that's good for him, or he'll die, or to hurt somebody he loves. So this little fellow, six years old right now, you can't tell me that ain't a demon spirit jacking that little boy. Sure. So sure. It, it it happens. It, we know they're not in hell because they asked, send us into the hogs instead of hell. But they ain't in hell. They it it ain't their time yet. And they knew it wasn't their time. And that's what they told Christ. Don't don't send us don't where you we supposed good ain't your time yet. Yeah. They ain't going to the pigs. And so they, he did. Because he they, he knew they were right. It wasn't their time yet. It hadn't been done yet. So those those things are still here. And for us to deny that, listen to me. We we ought to be afraid. I wouldn't even play stuff in my house. When that crap comes on my TV, I I turn it. Yeah. I don't even want to leave, that, why would I want something like that that's real that I know I have to take? Why am I going to let that into my house? That's right. You've got to be careful about how you deal with it. Anyway, that, that's something to think about. And this is what's working in Balaam. This very spirit is what's working with Balaam. And yes, he is communicating with the Holy God. 
Even in this spirit, just like <laughs> Satan did in Job. God's communicating with him. That's right. God he don't go healed. to God, remember? That's right. But now in Job, Satan went to God. Sure. In Job, Satan went with the men, the men to God. And so here, though, God's not letting Balaam in there. He's coming to Balaam to tell him what's what. Okay? And so our power and our authority only comes through God. And the only thing that protects us from this kind of stuff is God himself and the, and the Holy Spirit. You know what? If Satan was to try to, to possess a man or a woman with the Holy Ghost inside of them, what would happen? You know what Jesus said? If you're gonna if you're gonna rob the house, you gotta overcome the strong man of the house. Yeah. Satan don't can't do that. Because the Holy Ghost is the strong man of our house, and we better keep him that way. Exactly. Amen. Yeah. That, that's why the Spirit is so important in us to protect us, not that the Spirit does multiple things for us. The reason God gave him to us. Amen. Alright, let's move on. And so Balaam rose up in the morning. Saddled the donkey, and he went with those people. I told y'all we probably weren't going to get this talking donkey tonight. All right, so somebody read for me verses 22 through 27. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in a, a way as, a, as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his strong sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. All right. Wow. Now, now we're going to, we're introduced to the donkey here now. But I want you to look at this in verse 22. Now God had just got through telling Balaam to do what? Go with him. Go with him. You can't curse him. What does the first verse, verse 22 say? God is mad now because Balaam went with him. Explain that one to him. I can't, but I hope you can. <laughs> My thought is, he again, he knew Balaam's heart. And he knew when Balaam got there, he was going to do what he wanted to do anyway. Yeah. So he's got to get a hold of him and get try to get him to understand who you're dealing with now, before he gets there. I think he's really trying to work with Balaam. I really do. I think that, that God telling Balaam, you know, he wanted Balaam saying, Oh, Lord, you know, I ain't even going with these people. But was he testing him to see if he would just not go? Well, if you'll remember, when the people turned and walked away from Jesus Christ, remember what he turned and looked at his disciples, what he said to them? Will you go too? Now what if they had said, sure, we're going with them. We have all this, we can stand. <laughs> I think God, God uh, 
knew that Balaam wasn't submissive to what he wanted yet. That's why God was was angry. You know, he wasn't. He knew Balaam wasn't submissive. He, like he said, he wouldn't. God was working with him, trying to work with him, but he wouldn't. He still wasn't submissive to do what he wanted him to do yet. Right. Right. Well, so your reason, your reason, you think is that he told him not to go, and then got angry when he did. I mean, he told him to go, and then got angry because he did go. That's what scripture says. I know it says that, but what I'm saying is, why do you think he did that? Yeah, I think he would rather Balaam had not went. Well, obviously, but, but he angry because he did. Well, listen, look, I tell you all this all the time, so to try to help you understand this. We are not robots under the hand of God. It, 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 God can take any one of us and put his hand on us and turn us in any direction he wants, take us to any place he wanted to, make us say anything he wanted to do, give us any power he wanted to give us, and, and he could do it. He never has done that. Nor will he ever do that. He gives us what we're so proud of, free will. So we get to choose what we do. That's all temptation and tested is, is choices. That's all, that's, that's all it is. is all temptation and testing is, is you choose. Will you choose to obey God or will you choose to sin? Well, it's up to you. And that's it. It's, it's obedient. Balaam wasn't submissive. God was going to be submissive and be obedient to what he was asking him to do or telling him to do. Balaam didn't want to be obedient. Will you take your confusion now and think of Balaam at the time. He should have been confused because God had already told him not to go. Now all of a sudden he's telling him to go. Balaam should have been confused. He should have said, he should have said instead of not saying anything, he should have said, no, Lord, you told me not to go. I am not going. Kind of like when your kid comes to you and asks you to do something, you say, no, I said don't do that. And they come back and they say, but da -da, fine, let's go do it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, you understand that as a mother and as a parent, when your kids keep hounding you with the same, this is the second time he's asked God this same question. So God's like, fine, go, go do yep. it. That's like when he finally let the, with the Israelites wanted to camp, he kept it back. He finally just Get you one. one. See what happens, go ahead. Go. And it didn't work out well, did it? No, and, you know, and then as a parent, when they do what you just told them not to do, fine, go do it. And they do it. You get mad at them. Yeah. That's not the way That's God acted. the same thing right here. I can, I can sympathize with God here. <laughs> That's not the way God acted when the, when the tablecloth come down with all the food on it. That's not the way he acted then. Mm -mm. Well, first he tells them don't eat this stuff. And then he tells them to eat it. He tells them to eat it. And he says, no, I won't. I'm not going to eat it. He goes, yeah, yes, you are going to eat it. Because yeah. well, so, I planned it. It's an argument with God either way. Yeah. And, and so what I want to let y'all know here, I do not have all these answers to these questions that you're asking. It's something that the Bible, if the Lord wanted us to know these things, he would, he would give us more information here. And so we, we have to be careful here that we don't go out on a limb and make this into something that's not. But what we do know is Balaam could talk to God. God would come to him. He told them that Israel was blessed and do not curse Israel. That's what he told them. He told them the first time, don't go. But the second time he asked, he said, okay, go. 
And and I kind of, if we could see the emphasis put on that that part, it might be just that way. Okay, go. That's what you want to do. Go. But even when he told him to go, he put a condition on him. He did. But you still can't curse him. That's right. And so now he's he's angry because the the uh, because Balaam went, and he sends his angel. Now this angel is a uh, is a evidently pretty good sized thing. I don't know. It's a man, uh, and this donkey. <laughs> it says the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his donkey, and his two servants were with him. So there was more people with him, and Balaam does not see this angel, but the donkey does. <coughs> now think about that. That tells you what about Balaam? He's way more stubborn than this donkey is. <laughs> yep. And he's blinded by something. He's blinded by the Lord may be fixing to let me get rich. Okay? And so, so he said that uh, the donkey saw the angel standing in the way with his sword drawn out. And the donkey, what did the donkey do? He went off the field. He tried to get and go this way, and he goes that way. And what did Balaam do? Snorting. He gets mad at this donkey and gets out and starts beating the way out of it. Old donkey. The genie. Huh? It's a genie. It's yeah. A the female donkey. Yeah, it's Jenny, and he—he is—he's whooping up on this poor old donkey, and uh, he, and so the donkey gets acting right again, and and it says, but uh, and uh, and uh, they went on the, to turn her into the way, but the angel of the Lord stood on the path of the vineyard, so the angel moved and allowed them to come on, and here he is again. The poor old donkey looks up, and there this angel lives again. And, and, and it does, what happens this time? Yeah, she pushes him up against the wall this time and, and, and thrusts herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall and he beat her up again. Have any of y'all ever whipped one of your horses when you was young? How many of y'all ever had a horse? You ever whipped one? I, I got mad at mine one time. We were racing. And I already knew, and I, and I wasn't very smart, I kind of like Balaam, I kind of dumb. And if I could turn that horse toward my house, that horse could run way faster toward the house than he would away from the house. And we got on this back road and there was a, a dim trail that, that came off this road and went back to our house. And we were racing from a curb to the foot of a hill. And we were getting more than I was ahead of this guy. And I thought, boy, then my horse is running good and he ain't even headed home. But when he got to that little damn trail that went back to the house, he turned right and I kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and I plowed up into that old uh, dirt road with the rocks in it and she got all skinned. I was skinned up like a rodeo mule, like Balaam's mule probably was by this time. And that horse stopped and turned around and looked at me. <laughs> I don't think he saw an angel standing there with a sword. He might have, but he, if he did, I never did see it. And you know what I did? I got that horse by the reins and I took my fist and I whipped that horse with my fist. Yeah, I know all. Bloodied his nose. 
And then I got scared that I hurt him and went to hugging on him. <laughs> but anyway, this is what uh, this poor old donkey is having. And, and this, but this is how Balaam feels. He's angry at this donkey. He lost it with this donkey. Okay? And now this donkey has hurt him. And now he is really fouled out. And it says that so when, when, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, this time, because he got back on his donkey and started again to turn in to the right or the left, and the donkey sees this, this angel this time, what's the donkey do now? Just lays down. Now, I don't know about y'all, my daddy used to skid logs with mules. And he said when a mule got tired of working, you know what they did? Lay down. And he said, I did a little boy and my mule, he got tired of working. He said, kind of lay down in the afternoon. He said, that donkey just laid down, mm -hmm. that mule. And he said, I got me a switch and I whipped and I whipped. And he said, that donkey wouldn't get up. <laughs> and he said, I kicked and kicked. And he said, donkey, that, that mule wouldn't get up. And he said, the old guy that owned the mule come by there. And he said, what are you trying to do? He said, I'm trying to get this mule. Said, Let me show you something. He said, he got a bundle of pine straw and lit it with his lighter and laid it down beside that mule. He said, buddy, that mule didn't lay there much longer. He got up. <laughs> now this mule, this donkey had had enough of getting kicked and beat, and he was tired and he was scared of this angel, so he just laid down, or she does. She just lays down on her belly. And Balaam goes out of his mind, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the donkey this time with his staff. He picks up this big rod or this stick that he's got. Now he is just beating the snot out of this poor donkey. And y'all, we're going to stop right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They ain't about to get into this donkey talk in five minutes till seven. Uh, till, till, uh, seven. We're going to stop right here. <laughs> I told y'all we wouldn't get there now. Yeah, I think you planned. Hey, any questions or comments about tonight? I, I pray that you that you really study uh, this and get some good thoughts. Uh, we're going to be in uh, verse 28 on what is that date? Uh, 16th. I hope y'all really study this and get you some thoughts. Now, I want to warn you though. When you get to studying this, if you go to to too much literature, you're going to have a lot of people speculating on what they see here. Now next week when we get into this, and hopefully we'll get a little past the donkey talking, we're going to show you in the New Testament what the New Testament says about Balaam. The New Testament tells us about Balaam and that there is a spirit that goes with Balaam. So this is something we're going to learn here and to help us understand what's going on right here. There is a spirit that goes on here. Did you know Balaam's even mentioned in Revelation? Yep. Did y'all know that? And so that's something we need to, to understand that this is not something new. It's something very old. It's something very ancient. It's something very evil. And, and it shows you, listen to me, it shows you that there's false teachers and there's false preachers. There were false prophets this man, although he had a semblance of being able to communicate with God, had no interest in obeying God. Are you listening to me? And there's a spirit, if we're not careful, 
you'll encounter preachers that have this same spirit. Oh, I heard from God. He may talk to God, may pray from God, may hear something from God, but he ain't got the spirit of God. That's what you're seeing here. This man speaks to God. God speaks to him, but he doesn't have the spirit of God in him. Amen? So we need to understand this. It's, it's something to help us. And, and it's hard to understand. That's the reason when you read about Balaam, you, you just scratch your head trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so we're going to just try to get as close to understanding it as we can. But more importantly, to learn the spiritual lessons that God's trying to show us and revealing to this to us in Scripture. And the thing that you need to be aware of is that there are people out here who can communicate with God and they have no interest in seeing you saved. They're doing it for a totally different reason. Well, in the New Testament, they made, they had people performing miracles in God's name. That's right. But but not of God. Yeah, we, I mean, we don't know. We, 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 it's just stuff that's mysterious to us. So any questions or comments about tonight so far? Look, Not less. Look at the magicians in, in Egypt. They did the same things that that God did Everything that we encounter come out of there. Right. And, and another thing that you got to, to understand here is this is a picture of what Satan wanted to do to prevent Israel from receiving the promise of God. Because he did everything in his power to keep Christ from being born. And then when Christ was even to the point of using Herod, and by the way, Herod's, King Herod in the New Testament, is some of the descendants, descendants and, and, and from Midian. I think he's a descendant, they are descendants of Midian that intermingled with the Israelites when they received the promised land. I have to look that up to make sure it's Midian or Moab. It's one of those two that the Herods of the New Testament that the Romans placed in puppet power uh, were, were descendants of some of these very people. And remember what Herod did? He wanted to, to find Christ and kill him when he was born. So this is the things that, that we're dealing with here, and this is all this stuff that's going on centuries before, yet these same spirits still exist today, and Satan still wants to destroy us, the children of Israel. Amen? Of the children of God. We are the children of God. Okay. Anyone else? I just knew y'all have a million questions right now. All right, we just did. Brother Troy, would you dismiss it, please? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today, Lord, that we can we can study your word. Lord, always always show us what we need to get out of it, Lord, and not get hung up on something we should. Lord, please be with all all those that are sick once again, Lord, that, that need your help. Mentally as well as just physically, Lord. Or be with everybody as we go through the rest of this week. Have us return here to your house this 
Next Sunday, Lord, we're going to Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.